Hi, welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters. I'm your host, Erin Rowling, and it's been a big week in the rolling house. My son got his license. Whoop, whoop. I actually made my husband go to the test with him because I did the older two girls, and it is so nerve wracking. <laughs> it literally is the worst sitting in the car and just. just watching them drive and just being nervous and all the things like I feel nervous even just talking about it and I didn't even do it with my son so my husband had more of a hand in my son driving I feel like he well he probably did with all the kids actually like he was very good about taking them out driving and stuff like that and so he definitely probably had more of a hand so why didn't I make him do the girls what was wrong with me I don't know But I sat through two, so I decided he can sit through two. So he can also sit through with Abby because guess what? She is taking driver's training. Yes, our youngest, which it was so funny because my daughter and I were talking the other day, one of my older girls, and she said, did you cry when Abby went to driver's training? And I said, no. She goes, well, I did. I just thought it was so sweet because and maybe maybe it's like potty training, you know, like you get to the point, you have four kids, some of you have more than that, so you've done it way more times than I have, but you get to the point where it's like no more diapers, no more wipes, and you're just like, let's do this, except that takes like three days of potty training, this is a whole year, basically, of driver's training, and then you worry every time they leave the house. That's why you have Life360, so you can keep an eye on them. But yeah, so our youngest is doing that, and uh, this is the one part, you know, you just get reminded of things as your other kids start doing stuff that you just forget that they do. And so we're in the phase of Abby correcting us on our driving. (laughs) So I was driving the other day, and she was like, Mom, 10 and 2, 10 and 2 on the steering wheel. You're like 10 and 1 or 11 and 1, and that is not 10 and 2. And I was like, okay, woman, whatever. Like, obviously, they need to listen to their teacher. They need to do what they say. But this girl over here has been driving for a while, and I am perfectly fine. Also, she was she was like, Mom, you're going off the road. You need to scoot over. Like, And she's like willing the car with her body for me to get it over where she thought I should be. And I was like, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot when they think that they know everything about driving. And so therefore feel the need to tell you everything that they think about driving. I am going to move my microphone here. Sorry if it's like a little loud, but it's going to bother me. And we've got a ways to go on this podcast. So um, be praying for us as our youngest who I'm probably the most nervous about, if I'm being honest, <laughs> is uh, driving. So she's on the road, people. She's she's with an instructor. She gets her pink slip in a little bit. So she's going to be on the road a lot. So if you know our vehicle, you just might want to stay clear. No, she's going to do great. She's going to be awesome. Uh, last week, 
it was a long podcast. <laughs> but um, thankfully, nobody complained. Thank you, no one, for that. Nobody did that. Um, because I think I talked way too much in the beginning. Like, it took me a little while to get into it. And then I didn't realize, like, wow, you have this much material. And you don't have enough time to get into all of it. So we're, we're just going to go. And we're going to get right back in to Psalm 119 and... Uh, just a little reminder. So in the last podcast, we did up to, uh, we're, okay, I can't think. Each stanza represents a Hebrew letter of the alphabet. And we got to the 12th letter, which apparently I'm very bad at math, which I already knew that about myself because it should have been 11 last week and 11 this week, which is what I thought I did, but I didn't. So we're we're starting on number 13 this week because I can't do math. That's fine. It's fine. Um, so I just want to remind you how it goes. And if you haven't listened to the first one, well, you can't listen to this one because you're going to be lost. You know, you got to go back to the beginning. But after I read the Hebrew letter, which is more of a word to us. Um, I read that in a lot of articles where people are like, this you know, it's, it's like words, it's not letters, um, that I'm going to read the acrostic poem, which I always want to say acoustic, like acoustic guitar, but it's acrostic. And just a reminder on that is it's a poem where certain letters in each line spell out a word or a phrase, which is kind of hard. I'm just going to read the phrases for you because Basically, to explain it with each letter, you have to see it in person, like see it written down. It would be way too difficult to explain it to you guys. So that's why I kind of read them the phrase and not point out the letters. Otherwise, y'all would be like, okay, this is too much for my brain. So, okay, we got all that established. Let's get, let's get back into it. So we pick up with number 13, which is Mem. And it's your promises are sweeter than honey to my mouth. Honey. I love me some honey. Especially um, the Wilkerson's honey here in town. Actually, any local honey is fantastic in my opinion. But I just happened to buy their honey. So, um, which is so much different than store-bought honey. It's just, it's not even, it's not on the same radar. But, um... Yeah, so we we buy their honey. It's great. It tastes sweet. It's delicious, especially you get some peanut butter. Not Jif or Skippy. Is it Skiffy? Skippy? Skippy, right? You can tell how much I buy that kind of peanut butter. (laughs) We buy our Mennonite freshly ground from the Mennonite store, a.k.a. Country View. And it's delicious. It's the only peanut butter we eat in our house, which I got my whole family on it, which is great because it's so much less sugar. But then I buy these gluten-free bagels from the Mennonite store also. Um, Odell's to be specific if you want to know. Maybe you put some banana on there with the peanut butter. You drizzle some honey. Yum, 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 yum. It's now I kind of want a snack. <laughs> but I love it when scripture says something and 
we can know what it's saying. Like we get the depth of it because we can relate to it. And I feel like that's kind of, it's, this is one of those relatable things where it's like your promises are sweeter than honey to my mouth because we can grasp that. We understand what honey tastes like. We understand, we appreciate honey unless you don't like honey, which I don't know how you don't like honey, but you know, some people don't. My son doesn't like it. It's fine. You're okay too. It's, you don't have to like it to be saved or anything like that. But, you know, there might be a higher level of heaven. For the, I'm just kidding. That's not doctrinal. Um, but I don't know. I just, I love it when I read something in scripture. And I can be like, okay, I get that. I understand that. And I think we can all understand like the, that that part of this, this section of scripture. And actually these eight verses, because remember each stanza is made up of eight verses. It's actually kind of split up into two sections, which you're actually going to find is quite common in most of the ones that we're going to talk about going forward. The first part in this stanza, it talks about like how we should treat God's laws. And the second part is like what we should expect in return. So How should we treat God's laws? Well, verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 100 says, For I obey its precepts, which means rules. Verse 101, So I might obey your word. So a summary of of like how we should treat God's law is we should love it, we should meditate on it, and we should obey what he commands. Seems pretty simple, right? Now, here's the cool thing. That's our part in it, but we get a return on our investment. Because verse 98 says, Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers. Sounds like my son, who knows a lot of things, will go to school and be like, I know more than my teacher, which I don't think is ever a good thing. You shouldn't know more than your teacher, but. My son apparently does sometimes. Verse 100, I have more understanding than the elders. Verse 104, I gain understanding from your precepts. Verse 101, I have kept my feet from every evil path. So we gain understanding, insight, wisdom, and safety. And I don't, I I love when we get to be a part of something, but it doesn't just stop there. It's like the whole rest of that that stanza basically is telling us like, here's your return. And I think that's a pretty good, if you're a person who invests, you like a good return, right? Well, that's what scripture is. If you invest in it, there's a return that we receive by investing in it, which you can't go wrong, folks. You just can't go wrong. And it's not like a 99% investment. It's like, over a hundred, which is, you're just not going to go wrong with that. Number 14, none is no darkness. Your word is a light unto my path, like noon, noonday sunshine. Ain't no sunshine here right now. And Marlette has been pouring rain. And actually I thought I'll open the window because I just thought it might sound nice, the rain. And then I was like, then people are going to fall asleep because that's what rain makes you do. So we scrapped that idea. So in these eight verses, it talks a lot about God's law and how when we obey them, it protects us. Now, 
I lay down the law with my kids quite often. And <laughs> when I do that, there's not usually like an applause, you know, like we'll have a, a family talk and they're not like, good one, mom, good one, good, good for you laying down the law in this family. They just see it as a bunch of rules or mom got on some kick and she's making them do something or whatever. But I think we miss an important thing. We talked about this in the last podcast about like people often view God's word as a bunch of the list of to do's like all the things they can can't do or can do you know just basically like put you in this box kind of thing but it really isn't because I think we miss that the law is there to protect us just like I put the law down in my household about certain things it's out of protection for my kids it's not because I just like making a bunch of laws it's because I see the protection that it gives my children. Well, it's the same thing with God's laws with us. His laws are there to protect us. Verse 107, when we suffer, God renews. 109, when we falter, we remember God's plan. Verse 110, when the wicked set up a trap against us, we continue on God's path instead. I love going down to verse 111. It it kind of... um shifts gears a little bit, but still has, is going along with like that his, his law is there to protect us. It's, it says your statues or your rules are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Now there's two words here. It's, um, statue, which is a law enacted by God. And then we have heritage, which is a legacy or inheritance. And when you take those two words and you put them together, Basically, it's when we make God's laws the focus and joy of our hearts, then our inheritance is eternal life in heaven. Are we able to do that on our own? Um, No. (laughs) But, see again, this is where God's laws come into play. His laws help protect us. His laws help us get to where we are going. They keep us on that path. They keep us from going to the right or to the left or all the places that you and I like to wander. We see shiny things and we're off and we're this way and we're that way. And the Lord's like, oh my God. It's like keeping a little kid, you know, on a path. No, that anything they see, they go for it. Well, we are no different in our walk with Christ. We see things, we go off all the time, but his law. It has a purpose. It's to keep us on the path. It's to keep us so that we can make it to the end. Um, But it takes an intentional focus on our part because it says the joy. It says when we make God's law, the focus and the joy. You've got to focus. You've got to focus where your heart is. Not an easy thing to do a lot of times, but... That's why we have his law. There's another verse in this section. It's actually, I believe, the last verse in this section. It's 112. Um, And I feel like uh, it could be a life verse. You know, sometimes you read verses and you're like, that is like I'm getting that tattooed on my body. Not telling you to get this tattooed on your body. But maybe it would be like, you know, in your Bible or something. Underline it, whatever. I had it underlined in my Bible because I believe my husband preached on it. This is why I love underlining things or writing in my Bible because when I go back 
whoever knows how long. I don't remember when he preached this message, but I know he did at some point. Or maybe I spoke on a podcast. I don't know, but it's underlined. Um, it just it just pops out at you. I don't know. I love it. But verse 112 says, My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. In my side note, I wrote, My heart is set or inclined. I'm going to choose what where my heart will go. Um, our choices equal how it ends. And I don't know, I've been wrestling with that a little bit. Um, there's just people in my life that I have had like a great amount of respect for. And they're just saying a bunch of stuff <laughs> that you know, against God's word or questioning the Bible or questioning God and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's hard because I feel like they're not setting their heart on the Lord. They're setting their heart on their feelings or what they're experiencing. And it makes me worried about their end, like where they're going to end up. And I think that we don't just happen to end up, um, in eternity. I think it has to be a very intentional focus of our heart. And I want to choose what my heart will do and where I will end up. And um, I want to set my heart on keeping his decrees to the very end. And I think that's something that we have to be very intentional with. And being in God's word will help us continue to be intentional. That diving into what his word says will keep us on that path, I believe. So, all right, number 15. All right, I wrote the pronunciation out here. And I'm going to go with <laughs> sumic. <laughs> ah, you know, I even practice. Oh, you guys all know. You know, I practice them and everything and I still mess them up. But it says, you, O Lord, are my shield and my hope. All the wicked are tossed to rubbish. Now, the first thing I think we need to discuss here is the fear of the Lord. Um, I would say that most of my life I had a pretty bad fear of the Lord um, growing up. Um, Some good. I'm not going to throw out everything and say it was all bad, but I would say probably 75% bad and 25% good. See, I can do math a little bit. Um, Yeah, because I was just taught like this a very negative fear. It was kind of a debilitating terror of God. Um, It wasn't full of love or hope or all of the things that I believe God is. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have a fear of the Lord. Um, But I think I just, it took me a long time to really learn what, um, what kind of fear of God we should have as followers of Christ. Obviously, followers of Christ are going to have a different fear of the Lord than the world. The world may fear him like he's just out to get me. Honestly, I think a lot of Christians also believe that about God because that's what I believed. And I would definitely say I was a Christian. That's just what I was taught. But instead of a negative 
um, fear. I think that we should have a positive fear because fear is still important, but it's having a loving respect. It still incorporates respect. We're not taking respect and throwing that out because I think that's very much important in how we view God. But it's a respect of, of his awesomeness and his, that he's all-powerful and that we revere him with all of our hearts. So that's where the how I think positive fear of God is. And so we have an, we can have a negative fear or we can have a positive fear, which leads us to two sections again in this stanza. Because basically one section is basically like if you don't follow God's law, there will be negative consequences in your life. And obviously, if you don't have a fear of God, you're not going to do what he says, which that's your choice. Everyone has a choice, but there are consequences for not fearing him in the correct way. Uh, Verse 113 says, a double-minded man is hated. 115, evildoers are sent away. 118, all who stray are rejected. Deceitfulness ends in vanity. 119, all wicked of the earth are thrown away. That's a little intense, not going to lie. Like when I read things like all who stray are rejected, um, that one kind of hits a little bit um, deep because I've had friends who have strayed away from the Lord and it's like, mm, okay. You know, sometimes I think we just want to think of God as this big um, teddy bear, which I believe that is a side to God, honestly, because I found a lot of comfort in him many times. But I think we cannot appreciate who God is if we don't have fear. And and like I said, that healthy fear, not the debilitating terror of who he is. But um, I think we are watering down who God is and trying to feed him to the world in this light of that he just loves you, which is so true. But there are so many other sides to who Jesus is. And fearing him is is an important part because you can't respect him if you don't fear him. And you will never understand all of who he is if you don't see that side of him. And so he doesn't mess around <laughs> with certain things. And he's like, hey, if you don't want to follow me, there's negative consequences. On the positive side, if we follow God's laws, there are positive consequences. Verse 113 and 114, love God's law and hope in his word and you will be safe. 116, keep God's commandments and you will be sustained. 117, regard God's decrees and you will be upheld or supported. 119, love God's statutes and you will be kept close. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer to follow God's laws because that sounds a lot better. And I think that we need to do a better job of presenting Christ as he would want us to present him. And that is all sides of him, not just the sides that we think are the hook to getting people to follow him. Because you have to know who you're following. You have to understand who he is and in order to follow him correctly and to have the right relationship with him and that's just an area in the church and 
I'm not saying your church or my church, but the church world that is um, definitely concerning me and definitely probably something I'm going to be talking about sometime soon because it's just weighing super heavy on my heart. But we're going to move on to 16. Ewan, I think I got it right. I think I got it right. Maybe not. My son-in-law listens. He's uh, learning like Greek and Hebrew and all the things. He'll be like, oh my gosh, has she destroyed these words? But that's okay. Um, you love me anyways, Frank. Anyways, I am not going into Hebrew or Greek, but we're learning. I am your servant, Lord. Give me discernment. So there's two key words here. Discernment, which means the ability to judge well. Insight, perception, and wisdom. And then the biblical definition for servanthood is serving and worshiping God and serving others in love. Not serving out of requirement, but voluntarily. Now, this this one... I struggled with this one a little bit. Not like I struggled with it, but I struggled to unpack it. It was a little bit more difficult and it took me a while to just like read over it. And I don't know, I I saw some articles on it and I was like, mm, not really feeling it. But um, I I kind of feel like there's a... There's a struggle in this stanza. And and the writer, who I'm pretty sure it's David, like I said before, but maybe it's not. Maybe we'll, we'll know in heaven. But um, I feel like he's struggling with being a servant or like he says servant a lot. So I don't know if he's just telling himself he's a servant because he doesn't want to be a servant or he... Or, I don't know, but like, I'll just, I'll share some of the verses and you can kind of be the judge for yourself or figure it out for yourself, I guess. Um, and I'll tell you what I came up with, but verse 122, ensure your servant's well-being. Like, I feel like he's reminding God, like, Hey, Hey, I'm a servant. So just make sure I'm taken care of. Okay. I don't know. That's what it sounds like to me. Verse 24, 124, deal with your servant according to your love. Like, Hey, I'm a servant, so just remember, you love me. (laughs) And then verse 125, I am your servant. (laughs) Like, hey, I I just need to remind you. I just, I I don't know. I just feel like he's struggling with the fact that he needs to remind God. He's a servant, therefore he should be protected. Like, hey, hey God, just just on the down low, I'm your servant. And uh, yeah. You you should be protecting me, okay? Okay, I'm glad we had this talk. Because it, even in verse 121, it says, Do not leave me to the oppressors. It's like he's freaked out, like something's going to happen. Uh, 122, let not the arrogant oppress me. And then I feel like he's tattletaling in this one. Just tell me if you think, not that you can tell me, tell me, but verse 126, your law is being broken. I feel like it's when my kids are like, Hey, mom, by the way, um, so-and-so did that and uh, just thought you should know. You know, I don't want them to get in trouble or anything. But, you know, hey, it's, I don't know if it was to make himself feel better. Like, I'm a servant. But, you know, your law is being broken by all these other people. Maybe it's, I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, maybe it's both. Maybe it's reminding himself and God. 
Maybe he's like, I just need to remind myself I'm a servant, but I also in the midst of it, I'm going to remind you, God. And he's acknowledging he needs discernment. He needs some insight on God's laws, which we all we all need that. And I'm sure we all need to remind ourselves we're servants too. And we all like to remind God too who we are, right? Sometimes if we feel like he's not got our back, I'm like, hey, servant here. Okay, just wanted to remind you. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like his emotions are all over the place, hence David. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we definitely can resonate with that because um, the writer's kind of like, here's my emotions. It's real. And I, I think that is also something we can all say, all right, sometimes we just need to know that we can be also very authentic with God because he knows it all anyways. So I don't know why we try to like, I don't know, sugarcoat things or like um, approach God with pre-thought plans of how we're going to approach him. I don't know. Like we're so silly sometimes, aren't we? And in our approach with God when it's like, I think that the author does a good job being like, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I, I'm not sure. I need to remind myself who I am. I need to remind you who I am. I need to remind you that you need to protect me. I need to do all this stuff because that's the reality of life sometimes. And that's in our humanness. And I think we can all relate to that with God. So moving on to 17 P. I, I know I got that right. That one, right? (laughs) Your precepts enlighten me with truth. Now, the writer understands here that God's precepts, which is his rules, enlighten. It gives spiritual knowledge and insight, making him desire and long for God's word, which gives him results, which is truth. I think we all like results. We all like to (laughs) know, kind of like the investment, like, you know, if I... If somebody tells me, like, if you work out for this many days and you eat clean for this many days, you're going to lose this many pounds. And I'll be like, okay, if I'm going to do all that, I want to see the the payoff, which is stupid for people to make those kind of claims, right? Because I think we've learned all of our bodies are different and all kinds of things are happening with our bodies. So we really shouldn't be. If you get sucked in by that, you need to stop getting sucked in by that because it's probably not even healthy for you. So just exercise, drink some water, and eat the best that you can and live your life. Okay. All right. So verse 129, I got a little off topic there. Desire for God's wonderful stat statues. So here's the result. If we just, okay, I know where I'm at. I'm back. I'm back, baby. So basically these verses I'm going to read It's going to be the investment, okay, and then the result. So the investment, verse 129, is a desire for God's wonderful statutes, the results in obedience to God. Verse 130, desire for enlightenment results in understanding. Verse 131, longing for God's commands results in understandings. Verse 132, longing to love God results in mercy received from God. Verse 133, desire to not sin, sin results in God's guidance. 
verse 135, longing to learn God's decrees resulting in God's, God and God's shining, God shining down upon us. Um, there's an investment and then there's a result. Now, what's interesting here is I feel like through most of this chapter, the writer uh, has a lot to say about the wicked, right? But here's a little shift. And it's one verse. It's, it's like one verse where it seems like compassion fills the writer because I think in this part, he understands that because of his investment in the Lord, that the Lord gives back to him. But the wicked, they don't have an investment in the Lord. So he all of a sudden has this moment in verse 136 where it says, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. He he has, okay, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is just coming to me now. When I connect to something, I have a passion for it and I have a protection over it. And I feel like that's kind of where the writer is here. He realizes there are those who will not obey God's law. They'll never choose to do that. And it, and it saddens his heart. It's like heavy. It says streams, streams. Okay, that's not a little trickle. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. He feels with deep compassion for those who won't obey God's law. I think it's two parts here. I think he has compassion for them, and I think he has compassion for the Lord of like, you have this most marvelous thing, this this your law is life and we're learning all these things that God's has um implemented in his law and how it's for us out of protection for us out of love for us out of all of these things for us and God's done all this and the writer's like but some people they'll never receive it and that should also cause something inside of us a protection for God's word that people aren't adhering to it, that they'll never follow it, that people, I mean, it should bother you, my friend, that people are taking God's word and adding and subtracting from it. It really should. It should bother you. If you just think, well, people can just do what they want or whatever like that, then you know you don't have a protection over God's word. And right here, the writer is saying, I, I, it bothers me. Like it causes grief within me and sadness. So if you're not feeling that way about God's word, then maybe reevaluate how you reevaluate your relationship with the Lord. Because we're going to get to that a little bit about you just can't have God and you just can't have his word. But I am not going to get ahead of myself. Okay, so let's go to the next one, 18. I'm looking at it. Seda, we're going with that. Trustworthy are your statues, O Lord. They are my delight and your righteousness eternal. Okay, oh, this fits perfectly, you guys. Okay, we're going to go there. 
So Paul and I were walking the other day and talking about, uh, he was preaching on something. He's like, yeah, you just can't preach on that and not have scripture to back it up. Like it's super important, which, you know, we have that discussion many times and I do applaud him, um, as a pastor for making sure he's not just saying things from the pulpit, that he's making sure he is using scriptures to back up what he says. And sometimes he'll say like, the scripture says this, or this is my opinion. He always differentiates between the two things. And um, we were talking about someone who might not agree with what he had preached on. And he said, yeah. I said, yeah, but you have all this scripture to back up what you're saying. He goes, yeah, I just don't think they would still agree with it. And I'm like, well, I guess what they would need to do is go in their Bible and take those verses out. Like they just need to go cut them out because they're in the Bible. They're very much so there. And if you want to do not believe something, you might as well take it out, right? Because why is is it in there? What good is it to you if you don't want to believe it? And just like I started to go there (laughs) a few seconds ago, like we can't pick and choose what we want and what we don't want in the word of God. Um, it's, see the stanzas here in this, in this part, they speak to God's law being righteous. In verse 130 says, it says, God is righteous, which means, um, genuine and excellent. So God is genuine. He is excellent. And right after that, it says God's laws are right. So God is genuine and excellent. And guess what goes along with it? God's laws are right. They're also genuine and excellent. They go hand in hand. And we are trying to separate the two, which must make the Lord, I don't know what, frustrated, angry, because there is a holy anger. We've talked about that. Um, just like, what is wrong with these people? They go hand in hand. God and his word go hand in hand. And you cannot have God without his word or vice versa. You can't have the word and not have God. In 138, his statutes are righteous. His statutes are fully trustworthy. It's like this, like the, the explanation point, like there is no more after this. This is it. Um, we got to stop picking and choosing and we're doing that a lot. If you find yourself saying, well, God's word says this, but then your butt needs to sit down and you need to do some research and question yourself. Why do I all of a sudden not agree with that or research it? Maybe it means something different. Like, Oh, Paul and I've been talking a lot about that. And I honestly, this podcast has made me, it makes me dive deeper all the time. Like there are certain things I've said and I've probably said wrong things on this podcast that maybe in a few years I'll be like, girl, what you saying? You should take everything that I say and you should sit down and you should be looking it up for yourself because I could be wrong. Okay. Yes. I said that. My husband's like, do you mean that about everything or just about the podcast? <laughs> But it's just something that it's just, it's getting a little under my skin. And if it's getting a little under my skin, it must be getting under God's skin because God is a package deal with the word of God. They go hand in hand. 
All right, 19. Quoff. And I listened to that pronunciation many times. Don't know if I got it right, but we're going to go with it. When I question, you answer. And I obey you and place my hope in you, O Lord. Ooh, I like this one so much because I think it shows a lot of humanness here. The writer calls out to the Lord. Verse 145, I call out with all my heart. Verse 146, I call out to you. He even cries. What Verse 147, before dawn, I cry for help. 148, he stays awake up all night here, wrestling with the Lord. He says, though the watches of the night, my eyes stay open. Not though, through. I can't read my own writing. Through the watches of the night, my eyes stay open. So he's pouring out his heart before the Lord. All right. Okay. Some of you, you know exactly what that feels like. And then the Lord answers. 145. Answer me, Lord. The Lord saves. Verse 146. Save me. The Lord renews. 149. Renew my life. And then there's another response from the writer. Do you see this? He pours out his heart. The Lord responds. And then we have the opportunity to respond back. To obey. 145. I obey your decrees. To keep. Verse 146. I keep your statues. To hope. Verse 147. I have put my hope in your word. To meditate. Verse 148. I meditate on your promises. To learn. Verse 152. And I learn from your statues. We talk. God replies. And we apply and we have action on what he replies to us with. It's a relationship. He's not just some big thing in the sky. It's a relationship with him. And if that is something you struggle with because you have an unhealthy fear of the Lord... I would just challenge you to just start talking to him like you do your best friend about whatever. But then let him speak back to you. Some of you are like, I've never heard the voice of the Lord. You don't have to hear his audible voice. He will show you. Maybe it will be through an event. Maybe read your Bible. There might be something that you I That happens to me all the time. Like I read something, I'm like, oh, there's the answer. <laughs> right there right in front of me it could be something your spouse says it could be something your kid says it could be something you watch it could be something you read it could be anyway he can the holy spirit can move however he wants to through anything if he can move through a donkey he can do it right and then you get to you get to apply it to your life all right let's move on 20 rish renew my life O lord Your compassion is never ending like the heavens. The writer is banking on that if he follows God's law, God will deliver on his promises. And guess what? The the writer is true, is right. He can bank on God to come through. Verse 153, deliver me from my suffering. 
154, defend my cause, redeem me, renew my life. 159, preserve my life. 145, answer me, Lord. 146, save me. Getting a little desperate as we do. And he goes on to show us, though, that there is a big difference between those who follow God and those who don't. In verse 155, it says, Salvation is far from the wicked. They don't seek God's decrees. Verse 158, I look on the faithfulness with loathing because they don't obey God. I don't want to find myself in that camp of not following the Lord. And guess what? I, you invest in him, I guarantee you back the best investment you've ever had in your life. Can I get an amen? Okay, just because I said amen doesn't mean we're done. We're getting there though. 21, I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell you a little something something here because in your Bible, it will say S-I-N and S-H-I-N. And I was like, well, what you doing here? So I looked it up. And S-I-N is actually the spelling of the ancient symmetric Mediterranean civilization, how they wrote um, the word. But the traditional Hebrew is S-H-I-N, shin. So I didn't look up the pronunciation, so we're going to go with that one. <laughs> I forgot. It says your promises, so it's not two words, okay? It's the same word. Your promises causes me to rejoice in everything. And I praise you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this reminds me of the new song by Brandon Lake called Praise You Anywhere. Go and listen to it. It will be your jam. It is my jam. We're going to learn this. So if you're on the worship team and you're listening, get ready. Go listen to it. I read this part because I don't know, like... Your promises cause me to rejoice in everything. Like, don't you just feel like uplifted? I praise you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. And you just feel like you need some praise song going on right now because you're so excited to praise him, right? Amen. And here's the thing about praise. Praise is a compliment. It's an expression of admiration, The writer actually, in verse 164, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. And actually goes on to, in this stanza, the writer praises seven things. Verse 161, God's word. 162, God's promises. 163 and 165, God's law. 166, God's salvation. 166, God's commands. 167 and 168, God's statues. 168, God's precepts. Praise. And think of it as you are complimenting the creator of the universe. Because he is a show-off sometimes. I just talked to you about that in the last podcast. I mean, look at a new baby. We, we're about to have their third baby born in our church in just within a month. And it's like... God, you're such a show-off with these babies. They're perfect. So tiny, so precious. Perfect. The sunrise, the sunset, perfect. Praise. You want a little challenge? Praise God seven times. Compliment him seven times a day. Do it. I, it he's worthy of it. It's worthy of 
your compliments. You know how you feel when you get a compliment. You don't think God wants to be complimented? Hmm. Okay. Last but not least, this is the wrap-up to Psalm 119. I believe this shows us, we talked about the relationship. It's a relationship. It's a two-way street with God. And so that's how I want to um, approach this toe. Because it says, teach me and allow your word to sustain my life. See, the writer is humbling themselves and saying, teach me. Do you allow God to teach you? He understands that by God teaching him, his, that God's word, it will sustain his life. This stanza has two parts. The writer here, I'm going to kind of go through each scripture and point out a word. 169, may my cry come before you. He cries before the Lord. 170, may my supplication come before you, Lord. A supplication is an ask. You can ask. 171, my lips overflow with praise. Praise. A compliment. 172, sing of your word. Sing it out, man. Even if you can't carry a tune, sing. 173, I have chosen your precepts. We choose. 173, longing for salvation. Oh, how our heart longs. 176, I have not forgotten your commands. We remember. The second part of this is God's part. 169, give me understanding. He gives. 170, deliver according to your promises. He delivers far beyond what we can think, ask, or even imagine. 171, you teach me your decrees. He teaches. 173, be ready to help me. He helps us. 175, your law sustains me. He sustains. And 176, seek your servant. He never leaves us. I think Psalm 119 is the most amazing tribute to the Holy Scripture and to the Lord. I read somewhere that it called it the Mount Everest of Psalms. You, my friend, we just went on a journey of Psalm 119. We climbed it. We stuck a flag in the top of it and we have conquered Psalm 119, the Mount Everest of Psalms. And in this psalm, the writer expresses his appreciation for the goodness, the mercies, the severity, the faithfulness, the righteousness, and the character of God. And may we learn to express the same sentiments as this writer. I pray that we hide the word of God in our hearts like never before. That we don't sin against it. Because sinning against it is sinning against God. Remember, they go hand in hand. I pray that we use the word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. And I would say, Amen. <laughs>